0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Danielle, and welcome back to Make It Make Sense. I took a couple of weeks off, guys. i you didn't mind. I've been having some moving parts going on, had a lot of feels lately. Mercury is in retrograde, and it just finished, I think, Sunday was the last day. And holy fuck, like, I've been feeling it out full blown. Quick update. I actually went back to my hometown for a couple of days for one of my best friends graduation. I'm so fucking proud of her. And there was no way I'm missing her missing it for her because she means the world to me and not going back for that because of my own insecurities and stuff that I've been working out. I was like, that's not worth it. Like her graduations worth way more to me than all this going on. But it gave me the opportunity to really feel through the emotions like on my own terms as I was going through this like travel and the vacation and, everything. and holy fuck, especially going there, I was shaking and almost like having a panic attack on the plane because I was so scared. And all I could think of is why I'm feeling this way. Because I'm going to see the people that I love the most and that make me feel safe and make me feel like I should love myself and make me feel just worthy of the good in this life. So I'm trying to think of like why I feel this way. And I'm thinking maybe it's the city, maybe it's Chicago. And it wasn't. I'm like this isn't it? Like this, the city feels different now, and I finally narrowed it down that it is the responsibility of seeing my family, specifically my father, and going back to those patterns of needing to please and appease these authority, like these authority figures in my life, like you know, like your parents, your aunts, your uncles, the people that had control over you as a child or were responsible for you as a as a child. That felt like you were powerless compared to. So as I was like in Chicago and I was with my friends, we were talking about our own, our own shit going on with our own family members. It gave me the opportunity to really understand what they were telling me, and that it wasn't my responsibility to need to see him because I, because i I've, I've been in a place lately where I've tried to get, get close to my dad, and it just hasn't worked out. So this is really interesting to me to see how this how I've associated the city that I'm from with how my dad treats me, which is very understanding, especially with childhood trauma. Like, you're not going to go want to go back to the place that broke you. And that's how I always felt about the city. But because everyone, and that's where I grew up, those are where my roots began. And this is where everyone I love lives. So the fact that me saying I'm never going to go back to Chicago... I feel as a selfish reason because I could easily go back and have an amazing time and enjoy it with all the people I do love moving forward. And that's exactly what I did this time. In fact, when I left, I was actually excited to be booking my next trip to come out in the summer because one of my other best friends is getting married and asked me to be a bridesmaid. So it's just been such so many good things, so many good vibes and being able to reflect on it with the good and the bad. And in fact, going in with the bad and coming out feeling, like, even better and happier than I could have ever anticipated is. It's just been so enlightening to me because uh, I've always said that once I moved to LA, I'm never going back to Chicago. I'm never going to waste my dollars on going back to a city that I no- didn't feel safe in, but now I know it wasn't the city. It was my dad, and it's the city. It's the skyline that I would revert to and I would look at I always would have a memory of looking at this like um, at the city skyline or looking at the lake view lakefront view as like a comfort of when the when like the yelling is done like I could still look at the water like the water is calm the skyline is calm those are the memories I have from childhood that are associated with this kind of behavior and when I came back I started reflecting on why I was feeling the way I did and just try to make sense of what was going on in my brain and how I was interpreting it at that time And because I wanted to have this healthy relationship with my dad, I diminished myself again, which is something I did a lot as a kid. And it made me have to come to terms again with the fact that my dad is a narcissist and he puts his emotions before me and I am responsible for his emotions. And if I feel hurt and I feel afraid or ashamed on the reaction I get from that, I'm going to own that responsibility on myself. If that makes sense, so that's why I want to talk about today is narcissistic fathers. I am a daughter of two narcissistic narcissistic parents, but today I just want to s- focus on specifically with dads based on my most recent experience and what I've kind of come to terms to going off of that, um, especially as the role of a daughter, and also just a little preview. Um, this is purely just from my own experience and understandings. Being a daughter of a narcissistic dad, um, like I said, I grew up as a scapegoat of both of my parents and the scapegoat is the person who is blamed for the wrongdoings um in the family or the behaviors of the narcissist and typically this person grows up to be an empath and I think it typically is daughters because of the patriarchy duh fuck them because I have a, I have a younger brother too and my brother is definitely the golden child and for the longest time when I was a kid I didn't understand that you know, like maybe there wasn't a kid who was like highlighted or made to feel special. I thought it was like, one is this, one is that for both parents and they would switch. So because it was just me and my brother, my brother was very clear, very much the favorite of my mom. And so I was like, oh, daddy's little girl. That'll be my role. And I kind of created this identity for myself as being this daddy's girl for my dad to make sense of the reality I thought was true in my mind. But reflecting on it, I wasn't a daddy's girl. I just force myself to be this role just to be present with my dad like the fact that I would just like get in the car with my dad over my mom that was to me being a daddy's girl we would not speak or have any deep sort of conversations in the car or get to know each other do anything like bonding related that was it that was my idea of bonding and being a daddy's girl was to fit this role but in retrospect that it wasn't anything special and in fact as I got older and became more of a woman and my brother became more of a man it was very clear how my dad definitely shifted and took on the like my brother as his golden child and made clear that he was his number one he was the son he was proud of and I was the daughter on the sidelines who was who should be who should only speak when spoken to and who he knew best for me and he was very My dad's always been very controlling and assertive, which is a very key trait of a narcissist. But because of who he is and his size and his demeanor, it would take place in a physical and um, verbal and emotional setting. And the need to appease him was required to ensure he wouldn't abandon us. So the fact that my dad was, he was like a ticking time bomb with emotions. And with my mom in the mix too, it was... To me, it was very much a responsibility to watch and manage both of their behaviors because the behaviors of my mom would set off the behaviors of my dad. So I'll do another episode about about narcissistic moms, but to being the scapegoat, I would always be observant of the behaviors and the actions of my narcissistic parent and the things that would set them off. And for my dad, the behaviors of my mom would set him off because my mom was very caught up in her own chaos of being a hurricane. And it was that hurricane of a reaction that would set my dad off. So I knew that if I could diminish the hurricane of my mom by knowing and acknowledging the behaviors and the actions leading up to her exploding and needing to be that, that's where I would come in and step in and be that facilitator of, okay, uh, it stresses mom out when there's dishes in the sink. I'll do dishes in the sink so mom doesn't stress out and dad won't freak out and dad won't leave. And that's how my brain would work as a kid, which is completely unhealthy. And if you relate to this, you probably also grew up as being the scapegoat of your own family. And I highly encourage you to do your own research about that as well, because it took me a a couple years to fully grasp and understand what being the daughter and the scapegoat in a narcissistic family meant, and especially where it meant both parents can be narcissists in the family. Because before, I only thought it was one or the other. Like, I thought narcissists attract a certain type of people, and I associated my dad and I being those certain types of people. When, in fact, my dad and my mom were both the narcissists and it was just me being the scapegoat, kind of being just caught up in that reality of needing to appease and monitor their behaviors. And because my mom was my primary focus on how to manage her emotions so my dad won't set off, that became my primary focus. So my dad was more of a secondary in that case. But in reality, the overarching fear of my dad leaving or my dad blowing up and being physically violent and verbally violent, too, was the ultimate fear. So, that's kind of the situation I'm trying to understand and kind of have get give you an idea of the reality I created for myself of okay, if mom's not safe, dad's not going to be safe. So, we need to make mom feel good so dad doesn't get freaked out. And when you're in having this warped reality, it really made me feel safe and what aligned with that agenda of what felt safe and not safe and what even was safe because why like what the fact that i had this fear of my dad could leave at any given second was not normal and that i should just be happy with how he treats me as is despite if it's abusive or not abusive or if it's respectful or not respectful to me i should just shut up and be happy because my dad is here and he did not leave and he had the choice to leave when if your dad is threatening to leave he's a shitty fucking father and if you have or any parent for that matter because it is not the child's role to be dependent or to be the reason the parent leaves or to be the respons- the one responsible for their parent to walk away. And when my dad eventually did leave and my parents did get divorced, I knew that was not my responsibility because up until that point, I was 18 then, I knew I did everything in my power to do that. And that was ultimately going to be between the two of them to figure out their shit when I was gone. I was at college and that didn't happen. They... They split up and it was for the best. And I wish they did that so much sooner. Anyways, I'm getting a little off topic right now. So growing up with um, my dad as a narcissist and being the daughter of that, there is always been this need for myself to seek danger and chaos. And that's where I think of the term like daddy issues kind of comes into play of wanting to like date that bad boy. And it was because you're looking for that chaos that, you're, that you've adapted to your whole life and that you felt safe with. And to me, when I would date people that were like normal, quote unquote, or that weren't like kind of messed up a little bit, I was like, this is weird. Like, I almost felt like there's something else then. Like if it's not violence, if it isn't chaos, if it's not anger, what is it that they're hiding that is going to come and blow up in my face later on? So to me, especially when I was dating, I would almost seek out that like danger, that like, need of unhinged to be like, okay, like I know how to handle this. Like if it was upfront and surface level, I knew that was manageable to me and I knew how to handle that. It was familiar to me. So that's what I would seek out. That's what I feel comforted because I knew if I could just surpass that layer of danger, I knew what underneath had to be safe. And maybe, and that was just what I believed. This had no I, like concept based on previous experience of my own dad being comforted, but this is how I warped my reality as a child to feel that if my, if I could just get past that level of danger, of chaos, that whatever was underneath would be safe. Once we secured the anger, everything else was smooth sailing. But again, that was not through my own experience. That was just bo- based on what my reality was warped my brain into believing in order to feel safe so that it didn't feel like we were just floating into chaos that there had to be some sort of secure base landing to feel good about again to feel that there was worth something to fight for to worth fawning over in my case because i think also with narcissistic parents and when especially when they blow up because my and when my dad would do it too he would yell and get very in your face and sometimes violent with it but I would always think to myself like there is a point where the chaos just stops or the yelling stops or the screaming stops or the throwing stops and all the loudness just silences. And it was that silence where I thought was, okay, right now it's isolation, but one day it won't be. One day it will be met with love. And it is that one day of stillness and love that was my optimal goal of being like, okay, I'm okay. This is what I'm striving for. So when I would be dating or in relationships, that is kind of that what I was seeking for. So if it was like anger and upfront like chaos, that's what I felt comforted in because I was like, okay, once I get past there, love's underneath. If it was met with calmness and stillness up front and normalcy is kind of how I did it. Uh, quoted it, I should say. I was like, this is fucking weird. This is weird. It makes me uncomfy. What's going on? Because it whatever was not being, because then to me, I felt like it was reversed. If you're calm and you're you're opening up with love and acceptance upfront at surface level what is so scary underneath that you're hiding? So it was flipped. So the chaos that I was associated with my dad was the secondary thing with this new person who came off as normal to me, which scared me so much more so because the normalcy facade felt like a mask. It was fake. or That's what I believed because that's because the fact that someone was not using me or not Illicitly blaming me for the wrong, for their own wrongdoings felt weird. I didn't understand that because that's not what I grew up with. That's not how my parents were. And even looking back and going deeper and understanding how their parents were, there is a level of narcissism, even with my own grandparents, that I'm not even prepared to dive into yet. I just got to my own parents, under made sense of that their parents also fucked them up. And I'm like, you know what? That's all the time I have time for right now. So just being able to backtrack and have compassion that they are children of narcissists as well, however I don't they were not scapegoats of narcissists. I feel like I took that role as being the scapegoat and having to have that empathy it is the empathy and the emotion that I feel like has traumatized me the most, and just wanting to be a kid to feel loved and safe to, to feel loved and safe in, which is the most basic requirement of parents to me and it's it's just disheartening that. That has been such a definition of how I've loved my life is to look for love and validation to other people because I didn't get it myself because of how my parents have been. So having this uh, warped reality and the sense of what was safe and what was unsafe and this need for danger, it gaslit me then. And being gaslit from birth and being this blame of the wrongdoings and the mistakes and everything that goes wrong in the family it makes it internalizes the guilt and the self-doubt and hurts your confidence and with my dad specifically it was because of how he would be so abrasive and so abusive in those situations and how it would affect our family in his absence the absence of silence of how he was behaving and how it was something I did that caused that behavior something I could have done to prevent it so there's a lot of internalization going on where of a kid where you begin to not, you're gaslit to not speak out against the abuse. So for example, if you're a child and let's say your dad comes home and you had like a bad day at work and you want to show him something you did at school. So you go up and you show him and be like, hey dad, look at this picture I drew. And he immediately lashes out at you, starts yelling at me like, I don't have time to see this. What are you doing? Like, I Like, just leave me alone. And you as a child don't understand why your dad is so mad at you because you wanted to show him a drawing you did as a ch- like at the at the day. It was a happy drawing. It wasn't anything that you thought was wrong. But because of how your dad is, and because you know your dad, when your dad comes home for work, he is very angry and very frustrated. You should give him that space to decompress before you address him or come up to him. And as a kid you're like, Oh, like I should have waited, like I knew better. Even though your dad should not be yelling at you as a child for show for wanting to share happiness with him. Because as kids, that's what we want to do. We want to share happiness with them or even not. It is our parents' role to take care of us even when we're not feeling happy. They need to be able to handle us at our worst and our best. And even though they're not perfect, it is their responsibility to be the resp- bigger person and to have that acknowledgement to be like, you know what? I'm the parent. I know I had a hard day, but so did my kid. And if and if I lashed out on my kid, it is my duty to be the one to reach out and apologize and ensure that they feel comforted and safe again not the other way around. And I could think of so many instances alone where I've been that for both of my parents, where their actions did make me feel unsafe, where their actions did make me feel scared and feel like I wasn't okay. And then in turn, I had to flip that role and come to them and apologize just to ensure that they would give me that same comfort in return. But ultimately, I knew it was on me to reach out and apologize or to have that initial reaction to them in order to ensure their place in my life. And even now I'm twenty, I'm turning twenty six soon and the roles and how it's been with both of my parents since I was a child, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. If I want to have a relationship with my parents, I know it is on me to reach out with them. And I'm getting to a point in my life where I don't want to do that. And I'm actually considering how if how and if I want to have them in my life, if this is going to be the consistent behavior for it. Because I don't have the energy for it. And I don't think I want to have space to have the energy for it. So it's stuff like that that I'm acknowledging for myself as I'm wanting to be a stronger person for me. And wanting to be that parent I always needed for myself to heal. That's something I'm understanding is maybe having my parents in my life isn't the healthiest thing for me. And maybe it's something that I is isn't even healthy that I don't even want to accommodate for. Maybe that's an unhealthy thing that I'm just done with. And I'm going to move on without But that's a story for a different day. So like I said, when we're feeling a kid, there's there was a need to appease my dad in order to feel safe. And like I said before, with when you're going up to show your dad like the drawing you did and he lashed out at you, that felt like a consequence of me acting out. Because like I said, if you were conditioned to give your dad some time when he came back from work to decompress because he was known for lashing out, And you wanted, and you immediately ran up to him to show him the drawing. That could be internalized as you feeling like your dad yelling at you and being physically aggressive with you was the consequence of you acting out and going against the rule of not giving him that time to decompress. So even though you wanted to share this happiness and this drawing with him, you're internalizing this negative behavior of your dad with you acting out because you didn't wait. And even though, and that is. That is how you, the reality is it's because no matter how he is and him acting out and having a tantrum to his child, that's him being a child. that's him being immature. That's not on you but is that conditioned response that you were made to believe since birth that's why you internalize it. And as you're going through your healing journey, you have to give yourself grace and compassion that how being feel being scared and feeling like you don't have a say in your own emotions, is a gaslight response of a narcissistic parent. And you have every right to express your needs, express your emotions, express your needs to this parent to feel safe. And if they can't need it and they make you feel as at fault for needing this, that is on them, not on you. If they can't meet those needs, fuck them. Because over the, because I'm not even, I'm not in the place now to even understand like as a parent, like as a child going through it now, like if I was 10 going through this, I would not even know where to begin on how to like express that. Like, hey, I'm scared because you are not taught to seek out help from the abuse. You're taught to internalize it and be like, oh shit, like that's on me, and I'm not gonna go to like my grandparents to be like, hey, like, dad yelled at me because I showed him my drawing. I've I was not conditioned to do that. I would be I, as a child. I would be in situations where I would reach out to my grandpa to be like, hey, grandpa. Dad won't let me get lunch, like, get this for lunch. Can you tell him this and, like, use that as an extent? But it'd be, like, a hee funny thing that I knew was going to be not the not met with such abuse or such violence that I knew would be anticipated as for if I was directly being like, Dad, I feel scared because you're doing X, Y, and Z. I knew that would elicit a much larger response and even him up mo- uproot and just leaving whether or not he would come back. But I think there was this ultimate fear of if there was something I would do that would act of me quote unquote acting out that would elicit this behavior from my dad, then it would internalize his absence on myself ultimately. So the level on safety of it, and again, being a daughter of a narcissistic father is drastically different than being the son. Because for my, like I said, I was a scapegoat of the family. I was the one that internalized the mistakes and the un- wrongdoings of my family, and essentially, I felt the one who was being blamed for it. And my brother was the golden child, the one who was more glorified for being him, I guess, and simply because I he was a boy. And even though in the beginning I was like, "Oh, like I wanted to be a daddy's girl," this is where I removed the title of daddy's girl for myself, because as I got older and as I developed more into a woman, and as my brother took on the role of being a man, the respect my dad had for each of us was night and day. My brother could do no wrong. my brother had no expectations of being responsible for my dad's emotion. All of my dad had responsibility for for my dad for my brother was for himself, and our and fathers seek reflection in their sons. they see them as an extension of the things that maybe they couldn't do in their sons. so my brothers a marine. My dad, all, as being a very large man who's respectable for his size, for his violence, my brother is essentially this leader of war to my dad. And this is how I'm making sense of it in my narrative. Because my brother is this glorified war hero. He, my brother has never seen war, and I hope he doesn't, for God's sake but my brother is very he's a very successful in the Marines I'm so fucking proud of him this is not me trying to take away from him at all I am so proud of my brother for everything he's accomplished and being the person he grew up to be because I know how hard it was for me to grow up into this and I know I've shielded a lot of what our parents are doing from him and I would not change a thing of it I and to him And maybe this is the internalized misogyny too. of Being like, oh no, my brother couldn't have. He was just a kid too. But he is a kid. He was a kid then. So I can't expect him to step up when he wasn't raised to know any better. So I am proud of him. I'm not taking away from his experience by this. But because of him as a man, as a Marine, my dad gets validation in that. My dad gets validation in being the father of the Marine. I'm not a Marine. I am not in war. I have... I am figuring out my life and I am purely defined by my mental health right now, which is a symbol of weakness to my narcissistic father who cannot begin to comprehend mental health at any degree. Because a couple of years ago when my dad and I were in an altercation and it was leading to a violent behavior, I started having a panic attack and I couldn't stop it. I can't, and I, all I could say is I'm having a panic attack. That's all I could say to him. And it was met with him saying, well, fucking stop it. And continuing the behavior that caused me to spiral and I couldn't calm down. And that scared me. But it is in that moment that I know that my dad doesn't know how to handle mental health. This is who I am to him. I am mental health to him. I am mental instability to my father. And to this day, I feel like that's the role I play to him. But it's because I'm responding from trauma. It is... It is that childhood trauma that is being triggered within me. So I may be in my twenties, but I'm I'm a three years old again. I'm six years old again, fearing what I never felt safe speaking out against before. And as I got older, I would step out of this role of being the quiet daughter of the narcissist and uh, being a quiet woman and being more. And to be more spoken out to being like, you know what? I'm grown. Why the fuck are you treating me this way? No, I want to know an answer. Why can't we have this conversation now? Why is it only going to be on your terms when right now is good for me and later is not? Why can't, like, why, 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 why? And when he can't give me answers because it is going against the narrative that was constructed for me since birth that I was gaslit into believing, he doesn't know how to healthily communicate those boundaries, how to healthily have this conversation. He's just viewing it as my daughter is defying me and disrespecting me. So I am going to punish her and scare her and put her in her place again. So I'm going to be met with that trauma response. And that is because he simply does not respect women. He respects men because he can he respects my brother because my brother is a man. My father can understand respecting man, a man. And my brother is not does not go up against my dad in any sense. I don't even I can think of a single time my dad and my brother fought. I can think of several times where I fought with my dad. And I can think of un, an an infinite amount of times My mom and I have gotten into altercations with each other. My dad and my brother, I don't think I could think of a single time that they have gotten into an argument with one another. Because my brother has been very compliant. He's been gaslit into the narrative of my dad of being submissive, of being compliant and just keeping quiet and moving and keeping his head down, focusing on him and moving forward. That is how my brother was taught to keep himself safe. But because I, a woman, was being believed that I have to be responsible of my own emotions, as well as my parents, it took on another level of responsibility that I was like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm going to speak out every now and then. And because my dad is much larger than me and he has threatened me with violence and we have gotten into physical altercations before where I was like, shit, I need to be put in my place right now. And I've like crawled back into that role of this meek, helpless little woman of, of violent overbearing father being a daughter of a narcissist especially with your father because again they don't respect women they're not going to view you as an equal to them they're not going to view you as an equal to even your brother or another male figure in your household they're going to view you as a woman the same way that they viewed women growing up whether it was a mom an aunt or a sister of their own well not saying that they don't respect them and love them I'm sure they do and I know my dad does and has his own weird respect and understanding for the women in his life but because I was someone who was gaslit into being someone he can control it made me feel less than of who I am and it and it compromised my identity to align with his own specifically with being meeting those like male gaze views of being a woman who's more petite more like um like uh more compliant with stand I can't even think of the fucking staying right now. It's pissing me off. But I can't but um compliant with the views of the male gaze of being thin, attractive, not having tattoos, not having piercings, not being unappeasing to the male eye. Disgusting. I know, right? The fact that and like not in even a sexual way. The fact like this is just how the male gaze is and I think there is a component of a narcissistic father, while they are not going to be attracted to their own daughter, they want their, the people they're around, their own buddies, to be attracted to their daughter. Which is so fucked up, but bear with me, because I'm going to tell y'all a story. Well, not really a story, but my own experience with this, alright? The way I dress has been a very touching subject for me and my parents. Fashion, to me, has been such an important part of my life and how I express myself and my creativity. And my mom has been someone who is very much to silence that and being and calling me a whore is something I think back on and how she would almost shame me to dressing the way I wanted to of going my own way instead of complying to the male gaze or of being or even the female gaze or not not the female gaze but of complying to the male gaze of being a more conservative woman and not dressing sexy in contrast to my dad of who was more encouraging of dressing to the male gaze in terms of especially how I would dress with him and around his buddies. And I'm going to do this in two examples. The first example is I knew when I would go in to get my car fixed. My dad is a used car salesman. So when I would go in to get my car fixed with him and be at his work, I would dress more presentable. I would dress more professional, more fashion forward, not sexy, not like, short skirt, shoulder showing, whatever. But, like, I would straighten my hair, I would do my makeup, and I would put on an outfit that I thought was cute. That I would, like, wear to school that I thought was okay. And I knew I was doing that because it put on this certain image for my dad when when this is the way his daughter looks to just come see him at work to go get her oil changed. Like, on an average day, this is how his daughter looks. Like, that narrative that was associated with the image I was creating for myself at that time and that, would con- and, I would, and that would contrast from when I would show up and, and, I would, and with my hair in a bun, no makeup done, and a big baggy sweatshirt. The way I was treated, based on how I was dressed, polar opposite. When I would dress nice, hair and makeup done, I would be up front in the showroom at my dad's desk, talking to everyone. Everyone coming up to me. Hi, Danielle. How are you? Oh, my gosh. I haven't seen you since you were a kid. You look so grown up now. It's so good to see you. Blah, blah, blah. Versus no hair and makeup done, big baggy Mickey Mouse sweater on. Why don't you just go wait in the waiting area where the other customers work and um, -and so-and-so will come get you when your car is ready? Ignored versus applauded. There'd be times where my dad wanted to go, had events for his work, his friends, or his own family. My mom always made it clear that those were not important to her. And that pissed my dad off. And I knew that. So in order to avoid that behavior and that reaction, I would step in and being his date, you could say, in those roles. My mom would always push it off to a million reasons why this wasn't important. The number one being my brother. He needs to get this done. He needs to get this done for school tomorrow. He, I have to help him with this. My mom would use my brother as the reason... To have to do this and my dad would understand that because he is a male. For me, I would have those same responsibilities of needing to have an assignment done, needing to study for a test, needing to just wanting to decompress before school the next day. But those reasons were invalid to me because I was a woman. And as a woman, I should be used to and it should be expected of me to make myself less than and to make sacrifices for, in order to be noble. That is the expectation of me. And knowing that, and having that role for myself, and being the scapegoat, that included sacrificing whatever I wanted to do at that time, to be the date for my dad, who my mom couldn't fulfill being. And so, for these occasions, I would obviously be presentable, fill the part for my dad, and it would make me feel very uncomfortable. This is where I really believe I would feel unsafe in because of how I would be treated by, by my dad's acquaintances when I would go on these events with him. Um, just the behaviors and the reactions I would get from his coworkers, from his buddies, from other people. It would make me feel very uncomfortable because I felt sexualized. And I knew I was his daughter. I knew that if I spoke out on being uncomfortable, it would be met with more abuse and more uncomfortability. And I would feel like I would just be more at fault for it because that is what I was gaslit into believing to my whole life. So yes, even though it was my choice to dress this way and for the male gaze, and it wasn't a way where my mom would combat me and be like, Danielle, you're dressed like a whore. Go change. I knew that's what I looked like. I know that how I was dressed. And it was almost like Yes, I know I'm dressed like this. Yes, I know I am coming off. I'm giving off this image that I'm a whore. Like, that's what I felt like was tattooed on my forehead when I would go out dressed like this. However, I didn't dress out wanting the attention from this, from other men. I dressed like this knowing it is how my dad expected me to dress for this event based on how he would want another woman, aka my mom, to dress if she was going with him and I would do that based on how I would watch other people dress like when I would like on TV and magazines whatever that I would study that so I would know how to dress for these occasions and I knew it would be met with this behavior and there was a, a fear an underlying fear of what would happen if my dad wasn't around my dad was a like I said before my dad's a very big guy six four around 300 pounds no one's gonna fuck with him because my dad fits that alpha male figure in, Masa- in um, the patriarchal society where he does attract submissive men who, like, pride this, wow, like, he's such a big, strong, tough guy, like, what a badass, like, I want to be affiliated like that and be like his little henchman, to sort of say. So my dad is what you consider a very respectable man who is very alpha in the sense. So if I'm his daughter, if he comes in with me, I know what I'm looking like. I know that in the male gaze view, and the male view gaze view, I understand I'm a whore. And I look like a whore. I'm dressed like a whore. But no one's going to touch me. No one's going to fuck with me because they know who my dad is. And they know if they fuck with his daughter, they're going to get hurt. And it was almost I felt safe in his violence in the public. So out in the wild, I like to call it. I felt safe with my dad being this violent, aggressive figure and I almost weaponized it so I could dress like this to feel okay, to feel like I'm doing the right thing by being here, by being this adult person and stepping up to the plate when my mom couldn't and I know my dad's going to protect me for that. And I thought it was like a, he's protecting his daughter, he's not going to let anyone fuck with his daughter, when no, he's doing it because he's a narcissist and that's the role they do. And I didn't even give myself the acknowledgement at that time that there is fearfulness in that. That I was scared to be sexualized. That I was scared of what would happen if my dad wasn't paying attention and someone approached me or took advantage of me when he wasn't paying attention. And he didn't step up and protect me that the way I expected him to. Cause, and that's where I kind of reflect on... I I was scared of being taken advantage of as a kid because I knew my parents couldn't protect me a thousand percent of the time because I knew I would have to anticipate that level of protection. And there was parts of me where the real world and how ugly and how dark people can be in this world were that I didn't want to acknowledge could happen to me because I just wanted to hope that my parents would step in when they needed to, even though subconsciously I knew they wouldn't. I knew that they were very inconsistent and so unstable in their own identities and their own roles that there's no way they could be, they could anticipate that for me. When I began to affiliate my anxieties and insecurities and feeling unsafe with my environment and my surroundings, I was able, I'm able to connect it back to that same feeling of when I was a child and when I would have to be in these situations of needing to expect the unexpected and, needing to, and wanting that level of safety, of protection that wasn't always guaranteed for myself, that I affiliated with the city. I'm from the city of Chicago. And knowing that that fear ultimately resided with my father in how I was made to be in order to make him be stable for me. And if I could make him feel stable, then he could be my protection. But is if I spoke out against for myself, if I became an advocate for myself, if I began stepping into my role as an adult, as a woman, and into my own voice and speaking against him that he didn't like. And if he didn't like it, I would be punished for it and him lashing out on me, either verbally, physically, emotionally, whatever it was, I knew I was going to be met with a consequence that I would sacrifice some sense of security. And as a kid, that was his absence. That was physically, that was verbally. And now as an adult, it was even financially even. And knowing that, you know what? If I'm going to feel safe in this, I need to cut those ties. I need to cut ties with the narcissist to feel safe because that is the control that they have over me. It is when you start stepping into your role as in being an advocate being a voice for yourself and uh, acknowledging that you never deserved that treatment as a child that there is no give and take in a parent child relationship it is a parent is there to fully care for and make their child feel loved and safe and they do that through sa- through consistency and emotional stability both of which are not at any means at the hands of the child to be responsible for. It's the gaslit reality that I was led into believing that made me feel like otherwise my entire life. And as an adult, being and as I'm healing and knowing my worth and understanding what it means to be an adult to feel safe and to not have to sacrifice your safety, to sacrifice your security for the comfort of another and really understanding the importance of putting yourself first and giving yourself compassion. There's Because you're not going to be met with that understanding right away of, I'm scared. I'm feeling anxious. Oh, it's because my father's a narcissist. We're not always going to be met with that initial understanding of what we endured as children because we're giving ourselves grace. We have to give ourselves the compassion in our emotions and validating our emotions, validating our needs and our experiences. And I feel scared. I feel sad. I feel unsafe. And Because X, Y, and Z and learning how to break it down for ourselves to understand the inner underlying fear, fear that our inner child is trying to tell us something. So when I was going back to Chicago and when I was on the plane, on the edge of having a full-blown panic attack, I am understanding that I... I'm only expressing the fear of unsafety that I never knew how to express as a child. And it's that feeling of not good enough, that feeling of needing to comply with, to appease my narcissistic father. And now being able to identify that this is something that I grew up with, this is the way it happened, this is why I am the way I am, now I know how I can move forward with this. When I make these podcasts and I start putting labels on things like narcissistic parents, emotionally absent parents, it is purely for, the way, for a way to identi- to make it easily identifiable for myself and for other people too, so that they can now have this term that something I said with how I came to the conclusion that I identified with this term of having a narcissistic father based on my own experiences, someone else can relate to and make sense of for themselves. And maybe it's not a hundred percent. And maybe they're curious more about how you could learn it more about, Hey, something she said about growing up with a narcissistic dad. Yeah. I connected with that. It wasn't exactly the same experience, but I did feel a level of that. I want to learn more. And now you can move forward with this term of being a, jo- a daughter, a son, a child or whatever of a narcissistic father, of a narcissistic parent. And moving forward with that conclusion on your own terms and making it make sense for yourself. Again, these are just my own experiences, my own lessons that I've learned for myself that I want to pass on. So you can make sense of it for yourself and you could begin your own healing journey. And you can understand that it wasn't your fault and it was never your fault. And I am so sorry if you were made it to believe that it was your fault. We're all kids of some sort of abuse, I believe. Especially if you're listening to this podcast, you are that. And acknowledging that you are that is not a shame. It is a survivor thing. I always think, of you know that song by Destiny's Child, Survivor? Of course you do. Who doesn't know it? If you don't play it right now. Because <laughs> I I remember thinking there's such power to that song. Like, holy shit. Like, she stepped up and she went against it. She survived it. And, like, you feel it. And when I would play it and, like, and I'd feel it in my soul of, like, that whole shit. It felt empowering, but I also felt almost shame. Because to me being a survivor was against physical abuse it was domestic physical hitting kicking whatever that was the that was the abuse that i thought was deemed worthy of being a survivor for to really embrace this song and feel represented in through this song but being a survivor is enduring the pain and feeling unsafe when you weren't meant to feel that way. And it, is, and it starts to feel with acknowledging that you are a victim of an abusive situation. Of an abuser. Abuse is a strong term. Trauma is a strong term in our vocabulary. But it is far more common than we would like to. Because I feel like the abrasiveness in the words abuse and trauma are very strong in a negative sense. That is almost inhuman to consider normal. But it is normal. It is more normal in our everyday life and our everyday experiences than we believe to. I think we all were raised in some sort of environment where there was emotional, verbal, and even physical abuse, and sometimes more. It is not our fault that we went through any of it, and it is not our responsibility to fix it, to fix the people that abused us. It is our responsibility to heal ourselves and move forward in a healthy way for ourselves so we don't repeat the pattern of abuse. It is how we fix ourselves and how we begin to unpack our own traumas and our own healing journey that we can help move forward with. That is ultimately what I'm trying to accomplish with this. It is moving forward and healing your own shit so you can be the healthy person for the other people in your life moving forward in your life so you won't be that toxic person. Because otherwise, we're just going to keep repeating the pattern of being toxic people. It is how we make sense of our triggers, our traits our attachment styles even like that's literally how our parents have treated us with abandonment is how we identify what attachment style we have that we bring into relationships that where we make our red flags apparent to the other person and to ourselves mental health is all about bettering yourself and doing it for you because you deserve it bettering yourself is selfish selfishness is not bad And ultimately, I don't even, actually, I'm going to take that back. I don't even think it is selfish because to me, I'm healing myself. I'm wanting to be a better person and being more confident because I know bettering myself and bettering my mental health is going to lead to me being kinder to myself and loving myself more ultimately. And when I love myself more, I know I am in a healthier place to be a person of love and support for my friends and for the people in my life that I want to be there for for the people in my life that I love and I want to be a healthy person for now and in the future, whether it be future friends, partners, coworkers, even kids. Even if I have kids, I don't want to pass on my toxic coping mechanisms to my children and gaslight them into the the reality that that is how they feel safe. Because I know that is not sustainable. It was never sustainable for me because I was driving myself crazy living like that. And I don't want to teach my kids any different. I don't want to teach anyone else any different by mimicking my own behavior. Even going back to the example where how I would dress and I would know, like I was dressing like a quote-unquote whore. The only reason I would call myself that and I continue to say like, oh, that's like what I would dress like a whore is, that is the word my mom would use. And I knew that was a way for her to protect me she would be like, well, don't dress like such a whore because she wants to protect me from the male gaze that I would be getting from my father's friends because that is her way of protecting, is her way of instilling this acknowledgement of me dressing like a whore and knowing that if I dress this way, that is the kind of gaze, that kind of attention I will receive. And I will agree to those terms and conditions if I continue to choose to dress like that. And I am going to take responsibility for those consequences if I continue to dress like that when you know you could dress however the fuck you want to and period period no consequence to it period so again that's gonna be it for this week's episode follow me on instagram and tiktok guys and again don't forget if you're looking to like learn more and how you can um unpack and start to like heal from maybe your own trauma and how to move forward with your own trauma from narcissistic parents or emotionally absent parents, send me a DM or email me. I'm going to link my website below if you're interested in life coaching and booking a one-on-one with me. I am offering a free 15-minute consultation right now um, and we can start moving forward and starting taking the action that you want to better yourself. I'm I'm so passionate about wanting others to make the, ch- the positive change in their life that they need to feel empowered and good about themselves and start living their life for themselves instead of other people. So if you're trying to break free of this reality that you've been gaslit into believing to into your whole life, fuck every, fuck them for whoever made you feel like this and let's fucking get working, all right? I, I'm almost done finishing up these shadow work journal prompts that I think are really going to help with understanding your own inner child and helping to heal and move forward with that. So those are coming out soon and I'm really excited to, yeah, I'm really excited to just have those available to you guys and hear your feedback on that. And again, I would love to hear your feedback on your, on this podcast. So don't forget to leave me, um, oh fuck. Let's pause. All right, guys, that's going to be it for this week's podcast. If you liked what you hear, don't forget to give me a five-star rating. And if not, And if you want to hear more, if you have any or if you have any critique or any comments, please feel free to comment or DM me or email me. Um, Follow me on Instagram and TikTok. I'm posting on TikTok every day right now. So I'm super consistent on there. Sharing a ton of chicken nuggets on there of things I've learned about through my day-to-day or whatever. So I'm super active there. If you want to engage, feel free. And if you're looking to maybe move forward with your own journey and your own healing journey and you're looking to make that shift with recovering from... Narcissistic abuse, and you're looking to make that first step in how to. All right, how can I take action now? How can I make sense of now? Send me a DM or check out my website. Maybe you're ready to book a one-on-one session with me for life coaching. Um, and again, I'm having my shadow work journal uh, available soon, so I'm really excited for that to be up and available for soon. So if you're not really looking to book a life coaching, or maybe you're not ready to book life coaching yet, you could always just download the journal. And get started with your own inner child healing. So again, that's going to be it for this week, guys. I hope you all have an amazing weekend and an amazing rest of your week. Remember, you're loved, you're beautiful, and you are worthy of all that is good in this world. Life is as easy as you make it. And you are deserving of love and compassion simply because you are human. Okay? So give yourself grace today. I'm so proud of you. Life is easy, breezy, and beautiful. And again, I hope you all have an amazing week. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.